Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hi, this is Glenn Tipton from Judas Priest, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hi, this is Richie Faulkner from Judas Priest, and you're listening to Talking Metal. This is Eddie Valise from King, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Mark Striegel, John Astronomy, the Talking Metal Podcast, coming, coming to you from the Silver Spacecraft. I'm Bud Friendly. Here's your hosts, Mark and John. Hello. Welcome to another edition of Talking Metal. This is John Astronomy. Yes, and I'm here too, Mark Striegel, the founders and hosts of Talking Metal with you tonight on, I believe this is episode 472. John, we're getting closer to 500. I'm starting to get nervous because we don't have our big celebration planned yet. <laughs> well, we, we will. We will do it in true Talking Metal fashion, whatever that might be. Yeah. But well, we uh, got we to gotta start talking about it um, Yep. for real. I mean, I uh, by the way, I think we should do a – remember, like, people are still talking about the countdown to Chinese democracy. Yes. You know, whatever it is. That was great. Seven, eight, nine years later, I'm not sure. Um, probably like eight years later, actually. But wow. what if we did? What if we did this? And I don't know if like how you feel about this because I know it's you know you work with Ace and stuff, so I don't know if this is weird. But what if we did in search of Vinnie Vincent? You remember the that, remember the show in search of in search like of. they were in search of Bigfoot and in search yes. of the Loch Ness monster. In search of Vinnie Vincent. <laughs> That's a great idea. I would like to know personally where Vinnie Vincent is. And believe it or not, I was on the phone with my girlfriend this morning, and I was telling her all about the history of Vinnie Vincent. So it's on my mind. I've been thinking about it. There's another podcast uh, called the Decibel Geek Podcast that has some Vinnie stuff on it. Yeah, those guys. Are, that's Chris. He's real. Chris and Aaron, I believe, and he's real crazy about Vinnie Vincent. I believe Yeah. I believe Chris was so fanatical about Vinnie Vincent that he was somehow banned or blocked from the official Vinnie forum. Vincent uh yeah, maybe it was the forum or possibly the <laughs> Facebook page. Uh, okay. Which I believe yeah. Mitch Lafon <clears throat> was also blocked too. Wow. So it's very interesting. One of the strangest things that's revealed in the Rolling Stone article about Vinnie Vincent was that Vinnie's wife was formerly uh, somebody who went out with Ace. Yeah, and you know who told me that? Chris told me that. Uh, Chris from the Decibel Geek podcast. Wow. Now, is that true? Because I, you know I, I, I don't know if that's actually, is that actually true? I will need to ask Ace, but uh, maybe that'll be one of the things that I could find out. That's that's what it, uh, did it say that in the Rolling Stone article, that it was it a did. former girlfriend did, of Ace? I, I, I'm not sure that that's ever been verified by, Confirmed, by right. Ace. You know, I mean, I don't know if that means, you know, Ace signed an autograph for her once, or they, you know, went out actually, you know, right, uh, right. Once, well, maybe that's or a- if they had a long term relationship. I kind of doubt that it was a long term relationship, but you never know, right? 
So uh, maybe that's something we can ask Ace when we have him on. Yeah, but, and I mean, uh, sadly, both of Vinny's ex-wives are, are now dead, too, which is... I know, that's terrible. It's when it's I had like, Bruce Kulik on Talking Metal, he said, you know, there's just so much darkness around around Vinny, even to this day, you know? And uh, it, it's yeah. like, unlike, you know, there was a lot of mystique and, and questions about Axl Rose, you know, back when we were doing the Countdown to Chinese Democracy a lot of questions and mystique around whatever happened to Jakey e. Lee. But, you know, both those guys, even though there were long periods of time where they were out of the public eye, there were occasional appearances. Whereas right. with Vinny, I mean, we'd have to ask a true Vinny expert, but there's been no real sighting of him whatsoever, I believe, for at least a decade, right? Well, there is there was a press conference that for some reason I can remember where he was sitting at a conference room table and he was talking about uh, some type of lawsuit, I believe, uh, with Kiss uh, that. And then uh, there was the uh, photo that he took. And this still might have been 10 years ago for the uh, Kiss store in Australia where the women's footwear looking shoe right. yeah it looks like he bought it at the limited yeah, yeah. and they had these uh, pants that looked like they could have been uh, ladies pants um now maybe he was just those had to be close to okay 10 so years that was ago. 10 I mean, years at this ago, point right? yeah i mean i i think so if not more. well i know the guy phil elliott uh who uh was mentioned a lot in the uh rolling stone interview so we could uh definitely uh get him to uh fill us in on some of the Stories, but yeah, in search of any Vincent, it's a it's a very interesting thing. Um, what's interesting is that uh, I think Ace recognizes that Vinny, uh, you know, was a, a great musician and uh, did a lot of good things for Kiss at the time. So that's that's interesting. Yeah, you know, but there's some people that are like Vinny saved Kiss. Vinny saved Kiss, and I I don't really know that he did. I mean. I, I'm I'm right at that section of the Paul Stanley book now, and and it's interesting because because that Lick It Up record, which Paul says in the book, he thought Creatures was a a stronger record, but Lick It Up, it it really did get them back on track um, in the '80s. So, but I don't know that. Yeah, was it Vinny? That much of that was the reason yeah, for that, or not? You know, that's a question. I don't think so. I I personally think. It was it was Paul's vision of hey we're going to and and in we're going to become an eighties metal band and and I've always said that and I don't mean to like you know honk my own horn here but but in Paul's book he basically says exactly that he says Kiss became an eighties hair band an eighties hard rock band you know they 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 kind of molded and fit into that they wanted the MTV exposure and they weren't sure that MTV was even going to play the video for Lick It Up, so they didn't spend a ton of money on it. And they could have, but they decided not to because they weren't sure it was even going to get airplay. And MTV bought the Kiss unmasking hook, line, and sinker and played the heck out of that right. video, you know? And yeah, then they played All Hell's Breaking Loose a lot, you know? And that's right around that time is when MTV started to embrace some of the metal bands, if you will. I mean, they never, MTV never embraced like Maiden and stuff like that, in my opinion. But, but, you know, bands like Motley Crue and Rat right. and, and Kiss at that, at that time, you know, 84, 85, they really did embrace those bands and helped those bands become mainstream far more than I believe FM radio. No, I think you are correct. And that was right at the time where, I didn't have MTV, and that was only because where my parents lived, we didn't even have cable. And then it, shortly after that, we got it. I remember when the Animalized Live concert was on MTV and one of their MTV concerts, I had to have somebody in a neighboring town tape it for me on beta. And then uh, they, yeah. they gave me the tape. <laughs> beta. Yeah, beta. Betamax. Yeah, we had Betamax, too. You're the only other guy I know who had Betamax. <laughs> I know. I was the only person yeah. in my neighborhood. I remember a friend of mine's dad, and I can't believe that uh, And my friend's a really nice guy, and his family's nice and everything, but his dad goes to me, see this? And he had a like a VHS, and he goes, he goes, this is a Cadillac. Yours 
Volkswagen. And and he was incorrect. Yeah, yeah. you've told that yeah. story before. I don't know if you've told yeah. it on the podcast, but <laughs> he is incorrect because yeah. Beta is actually a much higher, superior format than Correct. VHS was. It, 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 but VHSs were cheaper to make, which is why the movie companies and stuff liked them more. And they they caught on. Right. You know, they caught on. They caught on. And Beta never yep. really did. The, but we got some great yeah, guests no today, John. We should actually let's talk about the guests. Yeah, it's in here. Yeah, we have Richie Faulkner and Glenn Tipton from Judas Priest, and we're going to get right into their interview in a minute. And we also have a guy named Eddie from the band King, and and I want to tell you, John, a little bit about King. Oh. They have a great new record out called "Burn the Serum," and that record, James, the Reverend James Rhoda from Fireball Ministry produced that record. He worked on the record with the guys in King. And we're going to talk with Eddie from King today. And Eddie is the guitarist and singer of the band. Excellent. Reverend James, he used to work with us. He worked at VH1 when I was there, and uh, he worked on a show called Pop-Up Video. Yep. Remember Paul Leo? Yeah, yep, they work together yep, on that show. Paul, Paul Leo stopped over at my house. We won't spend much time on this because no one knows who we're talking <laughs> about, but pa- Paul Leo stopped by my house in Maplewood. Like, Yeah, I remember that. Ago. That's great. Yeah, and so anyway, yeah, it's going to be cool to hear this interview with Eddie from King, and I'm really looking forward to hearing the interview you did with Richie and Glenn from Judas Priest. What a great thing to have the mighty Judas Priest return to Talking Metal. Definitely. And Richie has never been on the show, so it was great to talk with him. I got a photo with him at Sony. Well, let's get into this interview right now. This is uh, some some great stuff. It's always great to talk with Glenn. I reminded Glenn that you and I had interviewed him at Jones Beach back in 2008, which I actually just found the pictures for uh, from that, that interview. So I'll post uh, pictures of Glenn and I. And then another photo of John and Glenn from 2008. And then I'll post a recent photo of Richie and I on uh, TalkingMetal.com in today's show notes. And he was much more relaxed. I don't know if you remember that interview, John, but it was like right, right before, before he show, went on stage. Yeah. And he seemed a little tense to me, which I would understand because, yeah. you know, he's about to walk onto, onto the stage. Uh, he was much more relaxed and seemed in a great mood, funny, uh, friendly, and... Richie is 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 great young guy in his 30s. You know, we were talking about after the interview ended some of our favorite Judas Priest records and he told me that his Judas Priest I think actually I told Glenn in the interview my favorite Judas Priest record is Defenders of the Faith and after the interview like Richie pulls me aside and he's just like, "You know, that's my favorite." Wow, record that's too. cool. You know, so so it was really cool. And you know, it's funny cuz Richie was probably like three years old. It's pretty wild because I've seen a concert on television of Judas Priest and uh, I really think Richie has such a great stage presence and is a great fit to the band and I just had no idea uh, I never put two and two together and realized that when those records came out he was that young. Yeah, and it's important to note too that Richie in this with this new record that Judas Priest have coming out this summer Richie was heavily involved in it you know songwriting wise playing wise and and just a, a real strong presence on the record and very cool i i believe they glenn mentions that a little bit in the interview but he's more than just you know the hired gun new guy in judas priest he is helping move them ahead helping them recapture their classic sound and he is you know to use a real bad pun here uh, a defender of the faith Ooh, that's he good is, he, <laughs> yeah, he is he is out there he understands judas priest he understands their history and he is doing them good with this new record and they have encouraged us to play a 90 second sound sample of the new song that we're going to do after the interview cool but before uh, we get into the interview why don't we hear some some classic Judas Priest off of the Defenders of the Faith record. This is Rock Hard, Ride Free. Then we'll hear from Richie and Glenn from Judas Priest here on Talking Metal. Talking Metal. 
I'm here with Glenn and Richie of Judas Priest. How are you guys? Very well, sir. Very happy to be here. Very well, also. Well, thanks for joining us on Talking Metal. Back in late 2010, early 2011, as a fan of the band, it almost seemed like things were winding down. And here we are in 2014 with a brand new record, and it, it doesn't feel like the end to me anymore. It feels almost like a new beginning. And I just wanted to check in to see how you felt about the status and the future of Judas Priest, Glenn. Well, the, the band, you know, has definitely been re-energized, and uh, it's 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 great when you you get a, an album like this one under the belt, which we're all very proud of, and it's we're all excited by it. We love the songs. Yeah, it gives you a whole new outlook and a whole new angle, to, and you come in from a different place. So, yeah, things have, have turned around definitely. definitely. Cool, and the new single is the title track, Redeemer of Souls. It's up on iTunes now, which I downloaded. It sounds wonderful. What are some of your other personal favorites on the record, Richie? Well, we've got the first official single coming out on the 19th of May. It's called March of the Damned. Uh, And for me, that's one of my favorites because it kind of unites the whole metal community. You know, sometimes we look look down upon, uh, but we're, we're here and we ain't going anywhere, you know, and we're growing every day. So it's got a great message, it's got a great Judas Priest-style riff, uh, and it's a great song. That's definitely one of my favorites. And that's out on the 19th of May, so watch out for that one. Absolutely. The album is being billed as having a classic Judas Priest sound. And when I look back, Glenn, over your extensive catalog, from Sad Wings of Destiny to Hellbent for Leather, Defenders of the Faith, Turbo, Ram It Down, Painkillers. So there's so many albums. But th- good, I, mean, <laughs> I couldn't remember all those. <laughs> they, a lot of them have different sounds. I mean, you guys have definitely hit upon different sounds in your career. Um, what, what to you is the classic Judas Priest sound? I think Living, living After Midnight on British Steel. You know, British Steel was a, an album we did very quickly. We actually wrote half of it while we're in the studio which is very unusual for us and it's just got a really solid complete satisfying sound but you know every album is uh, we took a different approach on nearly every album tried to do something different while still remaining you know as obviously Judas Priest so we have made an attempt to to give each album a different character whilst you know remaining in the bounds of what's acceptable for Judas Priest. Cool. And what has Richie brought to this band that you guys didn't have before? Um, he's, it, was, it was just a, a, a miracle, really. I mean, I've said it many times. I honestly believe that if we, you know, if we, if we hadn't found Richie or, or he hadn't found us, there would be no Judas Priest now. So he's brought a lot of energy, youthful enthusiasm, great guitar playing, great a member of the songwriting team. He's, he's brought all that and more. Excellent. Now, Richie, you are a player of Gibson guitars. Why do you prefer Gibson over other types of guitars? Um, I actually, I didn't start on Gibsons. Uh, Gibson had the, there was just something about the feel of them, the weight of them, the quality of them. And as a tool, that was what I needed. I was playing in bands and clubs and, you know, cover bands around London. And that, to me, was the tool that I needed to achieve what I wanted to achieve. And then you, you become... You know, you develop your own tastes and your own personal, you know, whether you want a light guitar or a heavy guitar or, uh, you know, humbuckers or single coils or an SG or a V or, you know. Uh, and they've always, I play uh, all three of those. I play the SGs and the Les Pauls and the Flying Vs. Um, and they've all got something different about them, but are all uniquely Gibson. You know, you could pick them out of, uh, you know, 50 guitars. I could pick out my ones. They've all got personalities. They've all got little quirks and they're like old cars you know I, I like the vintage guitars I like the new guitars you know the, the leaps in technology that you know we're making now um, it's just an incredible you know incredible brand really and it's synonymous with metal and heavy music and all music you know across the globe uh, and for me it started off it's just a tool that I needed to do what I needed to do you know and do you alter the guitars at all do you put uh, different pickups in them or anything like that some I do, yeah. Um, mainly the EMGs. I've got EMG 81 and 85 combos, and I've also got the new uh, EMG 57, 66 combos. But on some of the older guitars, I've got like some of the stock T uh, tops in the, the 1969 Les Paul. There's the uh, the Paths. I've got a, this old beautiful custom SG with a 
you know, the original paths, three path pickups in it. So those things I'll leave in there. They've got their own unique sound and voice, and I'll, I'll keep them in there. But any, any mods that I do put in there, pickup-wise, they're the EMGs. They work well on tour. They're reliable. They, they've got the sound and the, the definition that I, you know, I look for. Other than that, they're, they're pretty much what you can get off the, you know, you can go and buy Les Paul uh, off, the sh- off the shelf or Les Paul Custom off the shelf and put EMGs in it. That's what I'm playing night after night, you know. Very good. Now, Glenn, back in 2011, it was announced that you guys wouldn't do any more extensive world tours. Has that decision changed? Will you be doing a world tour? We, we we did state at the time that it was our last world tour. I mean, it's, it takes a big chunk. I've said it many times, take a big chunk out of your life. But um, we, we never said we wouldn't do any dates uh, as such, whatever they may be. You know, it wasn't the end of us playing live. It was just the end of a massive world tour, which it can be quite draining and certainly time-consuming. Um, but, I mean, we've had a... We've been re-energised since then. We've got a, a great album under the belt, new album. It's exciting to think of playing the numbers off that album, uh, w- you know, with Judas Priest classic songs. So things have changed a bit, but we, right. we, <laughs> we you know, we, we weren't lying at the time when we made that statement. Um, if we start to tour and, and it all goes well and we, we really, you know, absorb and love these new songs, so who knows what's around the corner. Very good. That's exciting. And Richie, I don't think you were involved there, but you and Rob recently were um, doing some uh, work with Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. How did that go? Do you enjoy working with uh, up-and-coming musicians? It was a great experience, you know. I'd never done anything like that before, and I don't know if, if Rob had either. It was great to see younger generations, older generations, you know, which were fans of the band and music in general, what they did was uh, they, they all learnt a song with a rock and roll mentor during the week. So there was Lita Ford was there, uh, Bruce Kulick was there, Rudy Sarzo was there, and they were the mentors to... They put these bands together to learn Judas Priest songs. And then they come in, the, the groups came in, and they got to play the song with us. And it was great to see, yeah, as I said, new talent, you know, new kids, girls, guys, right across the board. Um, and it was just a really enthusiastic and creative energy it was really great excellent glenn one of my favorite records of all time not just from your catalog but really one of my favorite records of all time is defenders of the faith going back are there any memories you could share about that record and and working on that record writing it recording it someone asked us uh, the other day i think about defenders of the faith and we we struggled to really think where we recorded it because <laughs> we we did a couple in Ibiza and they didn't. By the when we took the tapes back to America, the everything was out of line. You know, the the, the recording just just didn't work. I had to re-record some of it. So I'm, I'm at the risk of disappointing you. Know, I, there's nothing that really springs to mind with Defenders of the Faith. And the album after that, which I liked, but it it was a controversial record to to some of the listeners, was Turbo. Looking back on that record these many years later, how do you view it? I, I like Turbo. You know, I know it was a bit different, and some people thought we'd chasing the commercial trial. But if you hear us play Turbo live, it's one of the heaviest numbers you know ever, and the, the crowd love it. They sing along with it, and it just needs. We you, we've been brave enough to try new things, you know, with Point of Entry and Turbo and nostradamus and you've got to do it you've got to pursue those new trials to get better and and it's something that's essential in a band's evolving status and that's what we've done sometimes you win sometimes you lose sometimes people understand where you're coming from what you're trying to do sometimes they don't but you've got you've got to experiment and it was it did sell well that record right yeah a lot of our albums i think ram it down didn't start off selling too well, but eventually, you know, it, it, it sold, and Turbo was the same. People were a bit wary of it, you know, a little bit suspicious of it, but as time went on, they, they warmed to it, and they understood what we are trying to do and, and bought the album, so it, uh, it, was a, it was a slow burner, but it came good. Very good. Recently, ACDC has announced that they will most likely be continuing on without Malcolm, uh, they're one like Priest, one of those hard rock famous bands with two guitar players. Any thoughts on that? I just feel for Malcolm and, and, the, and his family. You know, we we toured with ACDC years ago, 
um, who supported them in Europe and they were, they were great guys and very good to us you know, at the time. We were travelling around in what you can only describe as a bread van and they'd got a big tour bus, you know, and they invited us on there. And, um, I've, got, I've got a lot of time for ACDC. I think they've written some incredible songs and they might sound simple songs. The simple songs are the hardest songs to come up with. They've done it time and time again, you know, they've proved that they're worth they're a great band, and uh, I just hope Malcolm makes a full recovery, and uh, you know, it'll be great. There's so much Judas Priest history. You mentioned some of it right there, touring with ACDC. Uh, any thoughts on ever releasing uh, like an official book? I mean, Iron Maiden have an official book. There's been you know so many rock stars now who have released autobiographies. Any any thoughts on putting your version of Judas Priest history in writing? It's, it doesn't really interest me. I mean, I, I, I live day to day musically and otherwise, you know, I look, I very rarely go back and play old albums. I just look forward, I like to look forward to the future. But, and there's been a lot of books already on Priest, so um, to come up with your, our own that said something much different would be quite difficult. It would be interesting if we all sat down and pulled all our thoughts, but... Uh, in a number of years, there's 40 years worth of memories there, so I'd have to dig deep for some of them. Very good. And Richie, how has your life changed? Uh, I know that's a big question, but since joining Judas Priest, how how has your life changed? Um, well, I'm homeless. <laughs> I don't have one. We've said this from the beginning. Um, as soon as I joined the band, we were out on tour. Right. And since then, I'm either in the States, in the UK recording, doing stuff like we're doing now. I'm never in one place for any length of time really so it's very kind of that's that's a, been a big change in my life um it's been an education it's been a master class in you know so many different aspects of writing to the industry to relationships in the band and you know how that all works it's you know there's a lot more to playing the guitar than playing the guitar you know there's the industry and the relationships formed and it's just been a, it's been an education and it, it to this day, you know, you learn things every day, and it's just soaking all that in and being appreciative for, you know, the opportunity that you've one worked hard for, but secondly, been lucky enough to be been offered the opportunity. You know, so you, you know, you pinch yourself every day. Very good, and I know this album is not even out yet. It comes out in July, guys. You you all have to go pick it up. But do you feel, Glenn, and maybe you don't know the answer to this, but that this could potentially be the final Judas Priest record? Who knows? Um, I, I, I don't think so because we've enjoyed making it so so much and are proud of it. You know, it's exciting. Um, it just spurs you on, you know, to drives you to, 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 to write more maybe, to compose more um, and be more prolific. So uh, let's hope not. Very good. Thanks so much for joining us, guys, on Talking Metal. We appreciate your time and look forward to the record Redeemer of Souls, which, which comes out this July. And uh, I got to hear some of it before I came in to uh, talk with you guys. And it is an excellent record. So, uh, guys, check it out. Yeah.
That was a little sound sample from Judas Priest, their brand new title track, Redeemer of Souls. Yeah, guys, what you need to do is support Talking Metal and support Judas Priest by going to iTunes right now and purchasing that song. Download it, again, on iTunes or on Amazon and show Judas Priest that podcasting sells music. And John, you're a Gibson guy. Richie's a Gibson guy too. Man, we talked about Gibson for a good couple minutes in that interview. Yeah, absolutely. I noticed that Richie is a fan of all things Gibson. Uh, he has some really great Les Pauls, and I'd love to sit and talk Les Pauls and all things Gibson with him sometime. So maybe the next time we hook up with him, I'll be able to make it to the interview. I'm not sure where I was at this point. I think that I was preparing to travel to Texas with Ace for the Texas Frightmare weekend that we had, and that was a really great experience. A lot of cool things happened. Yeah, I want to hear all about that, John, but I do want to say uh, that you missed a great interview. It was in that same building we went to, the Sony 550 right. building we went to, to hear the Nostradamus right. record. remember that. So what they did was I got there, and they played me the whole new wow. record, Redeemer of Souls, which sounds great. And I can't wait to get my hands on it when it comes out this July. And then they ushered me all the way up to the very top of this Manhattan wow. sky rise to like the executive <laughs> suite, which was just ridiculous. It looked like something out of a wow. movie. You know, everything was like like there was like a buffet with with chefs and, and everything and and went to this like sprawling big conference room with the most amazing view of wow. Manhattan's east side, all the way looking over into Brooklyn and Queens, and uh, just just beautiful, stunning, you know, 40 floors Man. up. And that's where we did the interview. That is very cool. Yeah, no, what a cool experience, Mark, and uh, I wish I could have definitely been there, and thank you for doing this great interview, and uh, definitely uh, one of our favorite ever bands on Talking Metal, Judas Priest. Yeah, so I'm hopeful that you and I will be next weekend. I have two tickets, which I got to line up a babysitter because my wife's doing this this play right now. But I'm hopeful uh, one week from today. It's Saturday, by the way. Talking metal listeners, when we're we're recording this, but one week from today, it, it appears that John and I will be at the Ghost BC. Correct. Show. I like the uh, the BC. You met up yes. with them recently, right? Yes, I met up with all of the members of Ghost BC at the Texas Frightmare Weekend at the hotel, which I believe was called the Hyatt Regency at the Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. And I was down there with Ace, and uh, the guys in Ghost are fans of Ace, and they stopped by to say hello, and there is a photograph uh, of me and Papa Emeritus 2 on my Facebook page. So maybe we can link that. And uh, if over at acefriendly.com, in the photos section, which is acefriendly.com slash Texas, you can see some pictures of Ace along with Papa and the Nameless Ghouls. Cool. And those guys are I cool. I saw those on your Facebook yeah. page. They look yeah. great. Th those guys are really cool and really intense to meet live and uh, they that they really have a mystique about them, and I mean, I was uh, I was a little in awe of the band, and I thought it was really really cool. And uh, Papa was cool. I told him that uh, I would like to interview uh, either him or the other members of the band on Talking Metal. So we're gonna see if we can make that happen next Saturday. Cool, cool, guys. We have Eddie from King coming up in just a bit. I did want to remind you guys that we work with a company called The Midroll. Now, The Midroll basically provides us with ads. They've uh, Audible and uh, what, what was that? Hulu Plus and uh, what was the other one? Uh, GoDaddy? <laughs> no, yeah, we had GoDaddy, but that wasn't through The Midroll. Uh, uh, okay. uh, it was, um, what's the website? Squarespace right, right, right. were, were uh, sponsors that pr were provided to us by the Midroll Advertising Company. And I just want to let and I just want to say something about the Midroll. Help Talking Metal stay free to download by completing a short anonymous survey. It will take no more than 5 minutes of your time. 
Your answers will help match our show with advertisers that best fit the sensibility of our podcast and its listeners, like you. Listeners who complete the survey will be entered in an ongoing monthly raffle to win a $100 Amazon gift card. And they've assured me they're going to be giving away a lot of these gift cards, guys. So you have a good chance at winning one if you, if you do this survey for us. We promise not to share or sell your email addresses, and we won't send you an email unless you win. Please go to www.podsurvey.com slash metal. That's www.podsurvey.com slash metal to take our survey and get a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. I'm going to have that link through today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. Excellent, Mark. I wanted to mention uh, one more thing about the Texas Frightmare Weekend. I'm, yeah, 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 I met did. some great uh, Talking Metal listeners down there and uh, wanted to tell you all about that. Thanks, guys, everybody who uh, came by to say hello. And I also uh, just emailed you a photograph of a Talking Metal listener named Vincent Tyler who sent in a letter and it says, hey, this is Vincent Tyler. So great meeting you at Frightmare. Here's the pick of us. If you have anything for me to do musically, let me know. You're the best man. Thank you for taking time out of your day to talk, Vincent. And Vincent sent... Yeah, let me look at this yeah he's a cool dude. He's got a Kiss shirt on. And... Oh, yeah. uh, Looks like a yeah, young, young guy. guy. Looks like he's got a Randy Rhodes tattoo. or Looks like a RR and stuff. Either that or something else. Um. So he's a talking metal fan? Yeah, or, yeah. Or, or, mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. So that was uh, very cool. And uh, so, Vincent, thank you for that. And Looks like he's got like an alien cap. Yeah, yeah. Too. You know what that is? I think that might be a skull. It looks like an alien, but like uh, something from those Tim Burton movies. Like a oh, okay. skull with like, uh, you know, almost like the Papa... Emeritus two teeth, something like that. But either that or it's an alien. But uh, Vincent, maybe you, if you're listening, you could let us know what that is. So anyway, it was really fun being down there. You know what's really strange is that when you're in an airport or the surrounding areas of an airport, in you almost could be anywhere. Like like if somebody would have said, John, you're in Des Moines, Iowa, I would have believed it because there was nothing that came out and struck me that I was in. Uh, the state of Texas when I was there. It was all very right. nice. Wow. But what where in uh, Texas was like was uh, uh, outside of Dallas. And and okay. it, what I'm what I'm saying is it was very, very nice down there. But it what was weird is like like let's say you just fly into the airports of all these major cities and then you just go to like the Best Buy or the we went to a guitarist. I mean Ace believe it or not, went to a guitar center. It was so funny. I I don't even know if the people uh, recognize that it was Ace walking in the guitar center, but me and him went in to pick up some uh, gear uh, for the hotel room. And uh, uh, but you know all these. I mean, of course, there are some cities where you're going to immediately know what city you're in. But when you're slightly outside of the city. Um, where most airports are, and you go to Walmarts and Best Buys and you know different things like that, they all look the same. So it's it's kind of crazy, but so that right, was my right. story. But everybody was very nice in Texas. Uh, the the bar in the hotel was called Aces Bar or Aces Lounge, so I thought that was kind of neat. And uh, but you know, of course, Ace is sober and not drinking, so he did not uh, go to the bar. But um, uh, that was a neat little thing that that's what the name of it was. And that was pretty cool. Uh, the people at the hotel really embraced the Texas Frightmare vibe, and they all dressed up in elaborate makeup, which was really cool. That was the first time we've had an experience like that where the employees of the hotel also got into it. So uh, th that was pretty neat. They they were they had a fun time, and uh, everybody was very well behaved. Uh, there was no no insanity, and uh, it was just a really really great event. So thank you, Lloyd. Uh, and all the people who worked with the Texas Frightmare Weekend. So that was that. D. Snyder yes. was there. Yeah, too. there's a. Actually, I posted a picture. I forgot uh, of D. Um, along with our friend Danny Stanton, who's been out in the road with us uh, on the site. Danny is. Danny works with D. In a similar fashion to the way I work with Ace. Uh, so that's a, a very oh, cool yeah. thing. And so it was nice to see those guys. Uh, Richard Patrick. 
from Terminator, brother of filter singer Robert Patrick, stopped by. Uh, a couple of people from The Walking Dead stopped by. Uh, uh, really, really cool. Um, just before I forget, Mark, one one wild bit of Kiss news that that I happen to notice, and no one has seemed to have picked this up. Yes, yet, but I am a friend on Facebook of Teddy Andreatis, who, uh, of course, is Teddy Zigzag Andreatis, who was uh, part of the Guns N' Roses gang uh, and has also been on Talking Metal. I first met him at Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp uh, back in 2006 or seven, and uh, just hung out with him at the last one I went to about a year ago with uh, Ace in Vegas. But um, he um, put up something on his Facebook, and it says, Playing and rehearsing with Paul Stanley's new soul band. Man, that guy's got some bit of soul. So that is some exciting news, in my opinion. Oh. Sounds like Paul yeah. is uh, put together like a little side project. Yeah, And that's they're not playing rock. Well, they're playing soul music. So that's a very cool thing. But Yeah, let me know if you hear anything more definitely. about that. That is a definitely interesting. Um, loving Paul's book. I don't, did you you know what? I've, I've been skipping through it. Uh, I bought it on... Um, my iPad, and then a really great friend of mine named Todd Schulich from the Pittsburgh area, who's a super Kiss fan, and Todd and I have been friends since 1987, like really, really good friends. Uh, Todd sent me a copy of it uh, signed, which was really nice. Todd also sent me a signed copy of the Peter book. And so I've been, you know, I've been skipping all through it. Like, I'm not disciplined enough to start at the beginning and read it through, which is what I should. Yeah, you yet. should. It's it's a It's a really good read. You know, it, it's like any of these books, and I mean, you were involved heavily in one of them, you know, but it's, it, it, you kind of got to take it with a grain of salt. I mean, I, I think in all these books, there's a lot of truth, but we all view the past differently. Right. Like you were telling me a story about you and I hanging out at some club on a previous episode of Talking Metal. I had no <laughs> recollection of it, you know, but it's funny, like there's little things. I, I, I think Paul tells the story like he remembers it but whether that's exactly reality uh it might not be it's his reality you know but like he says something like about in 1981 or 1982 like eric carr was already listening to metallica, metallica yeah. which doesn't seem right because i mean i know that there were demo tapes being passed around but i don't i really doubt he was listening to metallica in 81 or even 82. Yeah, you, you know what? I, I agree with you. I, I saw that, and I thought the same thing. And I don't think Paul intentionally meant to say something that might not have been 100% factual, but the thing is is that it, it's not... What I got from that is that Eric Carr was kind of always maybe a little bit on the cutting edge listening to some different stuff. Yeah. But, but once again, like I think unless you were like a like a f fan of metal like we were and you were trying to recall all the stuff that happened in the past you might not realize that Metallica really didn't come out till a few years later. 83 yeah. yeah 83 and I mean even at that point you know a compilation album came out uh, Metal Massacre uh, Metal Massacre but I, I guess that probably would have been like late 81 early 82 so i mean it is possible that he had that metal massacre record but probably not probably right, not right. but yeah i i'm enjoying uh what i've read so far in paul's book definitely what i'm gonna do and when i say i'm undisciplined it's not that uh i'm not capable or that i don't want to start at the beginning it's just there's like there's so many things that i want to get paul's uh take on and, and instead of just starting at the beginning I keep like drilling into it so like I'll find I'll be like I wonder what Paul thought of uh, you know the Lick It Up tour so I'll I'll figure out where that is in the book and read that then I'll say oh I wonder what Paul thought about the Farewell tour so then I'll go to that point and uh, but what I really need to do is just start at the beginning and go go through the book and on that note perfect segue to wrap up today's episode um after I finished this interview with Eddie from the band King, I had the Paul book on me and we did the interview in Eddie's van. And he goes, can I take a picture of the back of that Paul Stanley book? And I said, uh, yeah, sure. Why? And he was like, well, when we recorded uh, one of our songs, I think he said electric halo, actually, we did it at Dave Grohl's studio. 
And while we were there recording the song, the call came in for Dave Grohl uh, and asking Dave Grohl basically to submit a quote, quote for Paul's wow. book, and that the studio was all a buzz about. Oh yeah, Paul just called. You know, Paul's people people just want called Dave and want him to give a quote for the book. So he was actually taking a picture of the quote to send to some friends. I believe James Rhoda, Jim wow. Rhoda from Fireball Ministries, who he told me he was sending it to. So it's kind of it's kind of funny. That's cool. um, yeah. So it all ties yes. together. And on that note, why don't we do this? We'll listen to some of Jim Rhoda's music. Fireball Ministry, a great band, one of the original guests on the Talking Metal podcast. Yep. We will. I went to see them play downtown. I believe at Knitting Factory. Yeah. Peter Dinklage was in the crowd. Elijah Wood. Uh, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a super big crowd at the Fireball Ministry show, but there was a, famous people there. At least like yeah, there was like at least three or four celebrities there from Very what I cool. remember. Um, and of course, Peter Dinklage has gone on to do such great stuff. Uh, star of one of my favorite shows. Game of Thrones. Do you watch that? You know what? Time? I don't, and I'm sorry to admit that I don't, and I know it's a great show, uh, but maybe I will start picking it up. You know, sometimes I get into a show a little later and then, uh, you know, watch them all. Great actor, and uh, obviously he has great taste in music because he was at the Fireball Ministry show back in 2005, I think, yep. in uh, maybe 2006 in New York City. And so, anyways, we'll hear Fireball Ministry, then we're going to hear from. Eddie from the band King, and then we're going to hear a little King to end the show. So just remember that James, who you're about to hear from, James is the guy from Fireball Ministry, he worked on the King record Excellent. With, with Eddie. So here we go. Take it away, Fireball Ministry, into the interview with Eddie from King, ending with Electric Halo by King. Thanks, guys. Have a great week, guys. Thank you.
Hey guys, we are here in the King Van <laughs> on Broad. I guess this is Broadway. I don't know where we are. Broadway between no, yeah, Tenth and Broadway, Fourth Fourth Ave, maybe. I don't know. We don't know where we are. Anyways, you guys are getting ready for a show tonight. Welcome to New York. Thank you for having us, New York. You bet. The album sounds great. I, I'm really digging it, and I want to talk to you about. The band history, for people who might not know a lot about King, can you kind of fill us in, the short version, obviously, on the history of the band? Short, short version. Let's see. Tony and I were in a band. Pepe and Tony were in a band. Those both bands broke up. We decided to start King as a side project, turned into our main project. Excellent. And the most recent album, Burn the Serum, right, is produced by James Rhoda, correct? Uh-huh. And how did you come in contact with James? Uh, he poked me on Facebook and I was and I was like, "Oh, I'll add you as a friend." And then we <laughs> we went on from there. No. Uh Jim, uh, you know, he he, cont- he did, that's not too far from the truth. He did contact me through Facebook and he just uh, I think the the message was like, "I totally dig your band." Something like that. That's his voice, by the way. And then I said, "Great, I love your band too," which I do. I was a huge, I am a huge Fireball Ministry fan. Love, love that band. Um, love his. I love your band, Jim. And uh, he's a uh, hi. And uh, you know, we just kind of started, you know, create uh, communicating through there. And you know, he was interested in, in working on our album, and we were like not sure who we were gonna work with, and we didn't know what we were gonna do with this album at all, to tell you the truth. But. Uh, uh, when his name was when Andrew and Jim were thrown into the table, we were like, "Hell yeah, that's a no-brainer!" Like, let's let's work with those dudes because they know the no, you know. Absolutely. So you guys are headlining this tour. How does that compare to being a supporting act? We're still relatively underground in a sense. Not very many people know of us, so uh, we uh, try our best to to get our name out there. When we do supporting supporting uh tours it's it's better for us because you know we we win over crowds left and right everywhere we go i mean we've done every, tours with uh megadeth and uh clutch and uh, uh we've done shows with seether and you know uh i can't even think right now but we've done a lot of tours <laughs> and uh, each time we you know we gain fans and 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 it's cool you know it's a lot better to work when we're you know a band like us who's kind of just strutting around and, and, and rolling through the country and hoping that people know about us, you know. So when we do these headlining shows, we're like, all right, let's 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 see how many people come tonight, you know. I mean, there could be anywhere between 20 people. There could be 320 people, you know. And so we just kind of roll the dice and see what happens. You guys have obviously a lot of classic rock influences do you appeal to more of the older classic rock fan, or is there a younger element in your fan base? We are cross-contaminating, you know, genres. You know, uh, uh, I mean, we've toured with uh, in this moment, which had a uh, main support act, Motionless and White, and you know, their fans coming out to the shows. You know, so we're getting these cool little. You know, these face-painted kids, along with the older Zeppelin, Sabbath-wearing type dudes, along with the Clutch dudes, along with the Megadeth guys, you know. So, it's it's pretty interesting, you know. A person who likes music for music and not just the scene of what that particular band is in. I got you. And how hard is it as a band, you know, out there that isn't super famous by any stretch of the imagination for you guys to survive on the road and make this your career? Uh, it's tough. It's not, it's not what it's cracked up to be. You know, we're definitely working our asses off left and right. We, uh, we, um, you know, we say all the time we do everything ourselves. It's, we drive ourselves, we do our own merch, we set up our gear, we tech ourselves. You know, there's, three guys in the band and there's three guys on the road you know we don't have a merch dude we don't have a sound guy this is all the stuff we do need but we don't have it you know i mean we just got to do what we got to do and uh keep moving on you know uh 
the the people ask like for advice like oh what do you you know what do you need you know what do you need to be in a band these days what do you need to do like what what got you here and it's literally just resilience you know because you're gonna get punched you're gonna get knocked down i'm tired now like i've only slept a few hours you know and right. i'm gonna do a show we're gonna do an hour set and I'm going to be pumped, I'm going to sweat, and there's going to be, you know, energy all over the place, and you would never know that I've only slept for like an hour. No drugs at all. Gotcha, definitely. And what is the best way that the fan base or the listeners of this podcast, Talking Metal, can support you guys? Is it to go buy the CD, buy merchandise? You know, yeah, buy, I mean, just buy it. You know, go to Amazon, iTunes. Uh, all those outlets, Fye, I know carries it. You know, come on to the show. We sell the album. We you get it signed then because you know I'm you'll be handing me the money. <laughs> you know, so uh, yeah, wherever you possibly can, just support music in general. Support bands that are that are uh, working their asses off. You know, I mean, we need the support. I mean, we're we're like a dying breed. You know, real bands who are doing it and uh, not necessarily making a living out of anything but we're just trying to play the music to do, play the music you know not that money's you know wouldn't it would be nice yeah. but you know what it's it's not in the, it's not in the it's not in the cards right now you know so we're just doing what we got to do and hopefully uh people are attracted to it you know does listening to your music on a server like Spotify hurt you guys at all? I mean, you know, I, I was listening to the album a lot on Spotify, and I've heard bands say that, oh, you shouldn't do that. You should go buy the CD, or even iTunes is better than Spotify. Do you have any opinions on Spotify? Well, I mean, not that I know. I don't know much about any of that stuff, to tell you the truth. I know that, like, if you buy it on iTunes, we, you know, it is supporting us. Whereas if you listen to it on Spotify... I think it's like cents to every thousand plays or something, you know. So it's like, yeah, you. Could, I mean, that's the thing, you know. This internet stuff is cool for people who are not in bands because I could go online right now, and I'm guilty. I do it all the time. Like if I want to hear like an old Alice Cooper jam that I don't have in my iPod, I'll be like, oh, where is it? Here it is, and I'll listen to it, and I'll get my fix. You know what I'm saying? And then. I forget that I wanted to buy it, you know, and that's what people are doing. It's it's so common now. Like that girl that just passed by, she doesn't give a shit about King or Alice Cooper or whoever the f she's even listening to for that yeah. matter, you know, because she could go on YouTube. She heard it on the radio. What's that cool song? Let me play it. Let me Shazam it first of all, so I don't have to. I'm a mindless, you know. Just you don't even have to research it. You Shazam the song. It comes up. You dial it in and you find it on YouTube and you listen to it and you're done. Um, it sucks for actual bands. It sucks for people who are trying to do this, you know, because it's just taking, taking the dollar that it costs to buy the song away from us, you know. And uh, yeah, I mean, I would suggest that uh, listen to Spotify to get your fix. But if you like the jam, buy the album, you know, because there's uh, if you like one song, there's nine more of that same song in that album from whoever band that is. You know what I'm saying? There's good stuff all the time. I mean. Guys like you and guys like me will go out and buy an album, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, their single was cool, but I stopped listening to that one three years ago because the deep cuts are where it's at, you know? So that's what we need to bring that. We need to bring that element back to music, you know, where people want to listen to the B-sides and be like, oh, dude, you know, Never Say Die, Black Sabbath, that album was great. You know, I think it's cooler than, you know, uh, uh, I can't even tell you the name of that stupid album because I stopped. It's a great album, by the way. Uh, the Paranoid, no, Paranoid album. Paranoid. Technical Ecstasy is great. I love that album. Never Say Die, I love that album. Sabotage, love that album. All the latest stuff, I love them, you know? Paranoid album, I've not listened to in years just because I'm, like, so tired. I mean, I listen to that album nonstop every day in 1994, you know? And I was like, God, I just, you know, but I'll always go back to Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, you know? No, I love it. It's one of my favorites. What are some of your favorite songs off Never Say Die? Junior's Eyes, maybe? Junior's Eyes, Looked Up to the Sky. That's a great one. Uh, I, you know what? Technical X and Never Say Die blend together for me because I always listen to them at the same so uh, at the same time. So I, know, I think Technical X like like like, uh, uh, she sits in silence in the midnight All right is on that, the Bill Ward song. Oh, all right? That's fucking Bill Ward singing yeah, on that one. No Told you once about your friends and neighbor. Great song, Swinging the Chain. God, you know, great, great, great. 
put the album on, I'll sing every freaking song off of both those albums, Technical X and Never Say Die. As a matter of fact, there was this one rad thing that never happened was that when we were on tour with Megadeth, um, Dave Mustaine was like pumped about getting us to come out and sing Never Say Die with Megadeth and they just they want they were gonna put it on the DVD, they just kinda couldn't do it because of like, you know, Warner Brothers issues, yada yada yada. So there was a whole bunch of legalities and uh but that would have been a great idea, right? It was a great idea. That would have been great. So we ended up doing another song with them. I think it was like She Wolf, and that came out on their DVD. And you see us, you see our big fat faces come out on stage and you know, sing with Megadeth. And that was cool. But I wish it was Never Say Die. Holy crap, that would have been awesome. Well, Eddie, thank, thanks so much for talking with Talking Metal. We're going to let you get some rest before your show. Thank you. And uh, looking forward to the show tonight. Oh, well, thank you for coming out and... Uh, you know, keep on swinging that flag of rock and roll and metal. Man. Thank you. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.